Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for checking out this podcast. Remember, it's presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, Target Center, or XL Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota baseball, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. And Ticket King can take care of you for out-of-town concerts, sporting events, and more. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. And it's not any edition of the Purple Podcast. It's live from Weggies in Mankato, Judd Zolgad, Ben Gessling, ESPN.com, Purple Podcast. Ben, welcome to the show. I believe this is the maiden voyage of the Purple Podcast taking the show on the road. I believe it is. We are, uh, we are branching out outside the studio. We are taking our act to the people. It's unscripted. It's spontaneous. It's a, it's a moment for the ages. And you will be included, too. I think we've got about four T-shirts here, the uh, 1500 ESPN T-shirts. And at some point in time, we will uh, take some questions as well if someone wants to come up to the mic here. Uh, but, Ben, first of all, let's get the one thing that I know you love to talk about out of the way so it's cleared out. Do you have any gripes about Mr. Mankato at this point? Because I've heard you for the past two days complaining about how this, what used to be a fun little award used to now you just do nothing but complain. We can't fix it this year. There's already been too many instances of corruption and government oversight. We're going to have to revisit this before next year. But for this year, I'm just going to have to go win the thing again. Well, I, I don't have any other choice. You're two. Have for, to on with a three-peat. You're two for two. You've got J. Ron Curse. I do. Harrigan has J. Ron Curse. Chip has Curse as well. Yep. So at least this year, if things continue on this track, and Curse is the favorite right now, you're going to have to split the award, so you're going to have to accept that. Well, okay, but uh, it, I, I don't know where they were on Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. So. One week into training camp, sir, give me your, your observation so far, uh, keeping in mind that I think we've seen two or three padded practices, but we are yet to see an old-school football practice. So, so what you can observe or have observed from a lot of shorts and shells, your observations well, I think the thing everybody's 
worried about or wondering about is Teddy Bridgewater. And I, I will say so far, I mean, and I, I couch this by saying that at this point of things, when there's not a live defense and there's not people going against you that you don't know what they're doing, it's hard to sort of see what any of it is worth. But I have been impressed with, he seems like he's hitting more balls downfield. He mm-hmm. looks a little more assertive. I mean, a continuation of some of the things that we saw mm-hmm. in, in OTAs and minicamp, and I, I have been impressed with a lot of that. I mean, I, I think if he can continue some of those things, particularly with being able to hit some throws down the field, it does add another element to your offense, and, and we will get a better sense next week in the joint practices with the Bengals and as sure. we go into the preseason where things stand. But, I mean, that is the big issue for this team, and if he takes a step in the right direction, it's a big help for them as they try to build that offense up. In fairness too, Ben, how much of this is about Teddy taking steps and his improvement, and how much of this is also a potential shift in offensive philosophy as well? Um, because it seems to me that we got one game into last year. The San Francisco game was a complete mess, and the coaching staff, rightfully so, said we have to redo some things. Yeah. Peterson yeah. became, for a, a long time there, the go-to guy. How much of this is the coaching staff made some changes, regrouped, and now came into training camp unlike a year ago with a much more coherent or attempted a plan with Peterson and Bridgewater working together as opposed to week two last year saying, we got to split this thing somehow. Well, yeah, and I think last year what happened is you got into it by a week, and it was saying, well, we've got to pick one or the other here. I mean, it, it was sort of a situation where you realized pretty quickly that this wasn't compatible the way it was set up. And, and Mike Zimmer talked about that at the end of the season. I remember asking him about Peterson and, and his sort of role in the offense, and Zimmer said, you know, if I could go back and do it again, I would have – played Adrian more maybe in the preseason, certainly worked on things more with him in training camp to get him acclimated and not just assume that everything was going to be great. I do think that now that they've had a little bit of time, they they have a better sense of what works for Teddy and what are his strengths in this offense. Probably you get some new ideas in there from your guy Pat Shermer, and we'll get a chance to see Adrian and Teddy through training camp here. Adrian kind of working his way back into things after that hamstring injury. You'll you'll get a better sense of it in a few days. But, yeah, I, I feel like there's a little more of a plan now. Do you think he, uh, he plays in preseason, preseason game three, Peterson? Because if they're ever going to play him, you're not going to play him in the first game for sure because no. of the hamstring. No. The second game doesn't make sense. The fourth game, nobody plays. So if we're going to see Peterson for the first time in the preseason in, what, six years? Yep. I would think preseason game three On for a few series. national TV at yes. U.S. Bank Stadium. Do you think they play him in that game a little bit just to – and it's not so much that that game is going to solve the problem – but to me, if you're trying to tell Teddy, hey, look, Teddy, this is your offense. We are going, we're morphing everything to make sure you're comfortable. It's sort of an odd message then to say, but the one thing we're not going to do is play Peterson at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I, get, I get your point, and I, I think the message that you are trying to send is more effective if you have Peterson on the field in the preseason. I, I just I don't know if they're willing to go try it. I, I mean, it would be a matter of, you know, you could, you could manage it so that he's not getting a ton of carries certainly but i mike zimmer has been sort of cautious about doing this and it's been so long now since peterson has played in the preseason he certainly doesn't need it from the perspective of getting ready to run the football but i do think if you have him on the field and and get him into the flow of the offense maybe put him in some shotgun sets sure have him do some of those things that i think there's a value in that and i think mike zimmer realized that but i i still 
I guess I'd be a little surprised just in the sense that I don't think Peterson's going to go out pushing for it. And I think Zimmer might say, you know what, we can accomplish enough of this in training camp. That And, and they're going to do a lot of it in the joint practice next week, too. They're very excited about that to get Peterson involved there. There's some fights there, too. Joint there practice is always good there for a few be. fights. Although Zimmer says him and Marvin Lewis have a good vibe. They, they've worked together a long time. And it's not going to be like all those other joint practices you right. see on TV. It's going to be kinder, gentler joint practices. Okay. Nick Foles goes to the Chiefs. Nick Foles uh, released by the Rams right before training camp started. And my suggestion, if you're the Vikings, was go tell Nick Foles, hey, look, sign a one-year deal with us. You're not going to go to a place and start at this point. Right. But if you come here, you'll get a chance to back up Teddy. If anything happens to Teddy, Nick, you're our guy. And, oh, by the way, we're good. Uh, Foles elects to go to the Chiefs. I think the Vikings certainly sniffed around but didn't get him. As we sit here today, and hopefully for the Vikings' sake, it doesn't come up. Bridgewater has a good season, stays healthy. But right. realistically, that does not happen a lot of times. As we sit here today, what is your confidence level in a backup quarterback situation that is a 36-year-old in Sean Hill and Joel Stave, who, who was um, a bigger name at Wisconsin at times, mainly because he got the yips? Yeah, yeah. It, I'm not in love with it, to be completely honest, and I, th- I don't think the Vikings are necessarily either. I mean, I think Taylor Heineke was a guy that a lot of people thought could maybe challenge Sean Hill for that number two spot. And the thing they really liked about Taylor Heineke from the people I've talked to is that you can run a lot of the stuff you run with Teddy Bridgewater with Taylor Heineke. Their, their games are somewhat similar. They do some things that kind of mirror each other, and, and we've seen this in the past where that hasn't worked. We've seen and certainly a playoff game where that didn't work with Christian Ponder and Joe Webb back in 2012. So that's one of the things they liked about Heineke. He'll be back at some point, but before that, I, I would be a little concerned with it, and I know they were very interested in Nick Foles. They made a push for him. His, his relationship with Pat Shermer helped there, and, and what I had heard as well is that had they gotten Foles, they would have possibly talked to the Cowboys about sending Sean Hill down there because Sean Hill has people in the Cowboys organization that know him, so there was some interest there as well. Interesting. So my guy Pat comes up again, huh? Right. Pat Sherman, a little yeah, West Coast I'm offense. I'm just trying to throw you a bone here. Potentially, thank you very much. Uh, I, I've seen a couple tweets, especially this morning now, about, I'll say it slow, Laquan Treadwell. And the tweets I'm seeing say he's dropping passes down here, blah, blah, blah. I can be as negative as the next guy, but I've seen all but one practice. You can be more negative than the next guy. A yeah, lot that's of a times. good point. It's a fair point. But anyway, in this the case, the sports scrunches do. No, but in this case, I'm not going to be. I've seen all but one practice, and what I've seen from Treadwell is a player who appears to me to work hard. Yep. A player who is is not getting a lot of first team reps, and a guy who's learning. And as far as I can tell, I, I don't care if you're a first round pick or whatever, if you're in your first year in this league, I don't see anything that concerns me. I just see a guy that's going to need some time to progress. Yeah, I would agree with you there. And he, he's been, I would say, no more than the fourth, maybe probably the fifth receiver on the depth chart right now. But this is not a team that likes to push rookies into action. I, I, they're not against the idea of rookies playing early. But what they like to do is give themselves alternatives if those guys aren't ready quite yet or need a little bit more time. And then if those guys are good enough, they'll say, okay, you've proven it. We're going to give you more rope. We're going to let you take the job and run with it. But they don't like to have to force guys into action. They didn't want to do it with Teddy Bridgewater. They didn't want to do it with Trey Waynes. They certainly didn't do it with Trey Waynes. Right. And I don't know that they want to do it with Laquan Treadwell. I, I have been on record as saying I thought this guy could start week one, but... 
Charles Johnson, frankly, has surprised me. I mean, t- to get back to the point where he looks like he might be the starting split end, and it certainly seems like it's going that way now, I guess I didn't see him being as big of a factor as he's been early. I was impressed with him last year. That rib injury really, as we found out, was a bigger factor. And I had no thought. idea about that. Yeah. I, I knew he was hurt. Yeah. I had... I honestly thought something happened with Charles Johnson behind the scenes, and I was totally wrong. He got hurt in week three. He lost his job, but I don't think he ever completely recovered from the broken rib until after the season. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I think the fact that he did lose his job when he did and the way that Stephon Diggs was able to take a run with it, I think he was certainly discouraged by that. I mean, I talked to him at the end of the season. And I think he was feeling like, yeah, it'd be nice to be out there. It'd be nice to be a bigger part of it. Mm-hmm. But I also talked to him after the season when he's talking about his rib was popping in and out when he's trying to run with it. That, by the way, is disgusting. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's kind I of went graphic. Out I suppose people are eating here. I, probably I saw your story. He said, he said, I went back in the game against the Chargers. I went out in a pass pattern and yep. felt it popping yep. back in and out. I didn't even know your rib could do that. Yeah, it, it doesn't sound like it would be uh, terribly fun feeling to have but but i think it was the sort of thing where yeah he was better yeah he was able to play but feeling like yourself being able to play and feeling like yourself are two different things all right folks here is the exciting part of the purple podcast as we we embark on our maiden voyage of a live podcast if you're so inclined to ask a question we have about four of these shirts that microphone right there if you want to come up and ask a question of uh, either myself guestling or both Come on up, and we will uh, certainly take one. Before yeah. we get to the first question, give me yep. your scouting report on Trey Wayne so far. I saw Zimmer yesterday. Not surprisingly, Wayne's did something small, yeah. and I don't know if right or wrong, but Zimmer was doing the same thing he did to Xavier Rhodes two years ago, which was bang, right over, and talk to him. Yeah, and he, he's been doing that with McKenzie Alexander as well. I think that's sort of how he wants to approach those young corners is put them sort of in the Zimmer crash course right away. Trey Wayne's been a really nice play yesterday on that interception. We talked about uh, Wayne's quite a bit after practice yesterday with Zimmer, and he said yeah. the thing that he's still working on is when a guy gets to the top of the route, you have to be able to contest things there and, and not let your guy catch the ball. He's getting better in where he needs to be in coverage, but being able to make a play on the ball and contest it is still, I think, sort of the thing that they want to see him get better at. All right, our first question, sir. Uh, your name and your question, and we will get you a T-shirt. How you doing? I'm Mike Feline from uh, Brooklyn Park. Hi, Mike. And we were down at uh, training camp last year, down here today for the first time. We're going to the afternoon practice at 2.45. Okay. What should we be looking for? I mean, we were there for the, the, the skins, whatever, sure. and uh, sure. earlier today, and there wasn't a lot going on. And as a former Star Tribune employee, I figured I have to oh, ask the questions. All right? Okay. Nice to see you, Mike. Okay, you got Same here. Same two here. former Star Tribune employees up here. Exactly. I know that's what I'm talking. That's what I'm saying. Sure. So. Ben, go right ahead. Thank that, you, Mike. That's a good question. Because I, I, I know a lot of fans will come down here and sort of watch practice and not really know kind of what to kind of focus on. I mean, they do different things every day. You'll, you'll generally see a, an install period. You'll see seven on seven. You'll see nine on seven. I mean, there's a lot of different things going on. The team drills, which generally are sort of in the last third of practice, I think are the best representation of what you're actually going to see in a game, or at least you get closer to that. I, I guess when I'm watching it every day, I tend to kind of watch for one thing or another. I kind of go in with one or two things that I really want to take a look at and focus on those things for the day. So I, I guess I would say sort of pick out the thing, and I know this approach works a little bit better when you're, when you're here for more than one day, but if there's a certain thing that you want to see, if there's a certain 
position group or a certain player. You go in kind of with a plan, I guess, and then and come in kind of focus on those guys. It's like golf. Yeah. Pick plan, a golfer. Plan your approach before you get to the team. And, and all, yes, that too. And also never bother with the walkthrough. Yeah, the, the walkthrough 1030 is, thing is useless as a fan. Yeah. Unless you're, you're there for the autograph session, it's absolutely my, useless. My favorite Practice thing about walkthroughs is when they'll complete a pass for a touchdown on the walkthrough and you hear people start clapping. It's like, there's no defenders. I mean, yeah, I guess. There's garbage cans. Yeah, I mean, Tavares I, Jackson, a Hall of Famer in walkthroughs and against garbage cans. We're clapping for NFL players being able to complete a pass when they're playing catch, basically. But, you know. All right, sir. Step right up and ask your question. Get close there. Janice from Egan. Okay. I went to Mankato State a long time ago. My question is on the receivers. Who are they going to keep? Uh, the receivers, Cordell Patterson, Thielen. Who are they going to keep? Who's staying? Who's going? Cordell practiced uh, last Friday, made a nice catch, hurt his shoulder, and I think might be back a week later to practice today yeah. if we're lucky. Uh, I'll start off by saying I am not convinced that he's a lock for this roster. Really? I know he can return kicks, uh, but I think there's. I think it's going to get intriguing, and I think being out, out a week, even if you really are hurt, drives the head coach crazy. I think Cordero Patterson's on the roster. Okay. I think the fact that, I mean, Mike Prefer loves him as a kick returner. I, I don't think that that, I wouldn't discount that because... They still are of the belief that they want to be aggressive. The, the new touchback rule is not going to dissuade them from bringing kicks out. And Mike Prefer, rightly, loves Cordell Patterson as a kick returner. So I think he's on the roster. I also don't think they want to give up on him quite yet because we know this is a team that doesn't like to give up on its draft picks. And I think there is still some hope that maybe they can get something out of him. I, I'm not as optimistic about that as some might be, but I think he's here. I think... Thielen. Thielen, yes. Uh, Thielen's gotten a lot more time with the first team, at least in a three-receiver set, than I thought he'd get. Made a really nice catch on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, had, some, he's had some drops, but he's had some nice catches as well. Jarius Wright is here. Yep. Um, Diggs is here. Yep. Treadwell is obviously here. Yep. And who am I missing? Charles Johnson. Yep. I think those six make the team. And if people are sitting there thinking, what about Mobile? Morris Boring? Listen, if he makes the practice squad, it might be an act of God. Yeah, and so, the way it's looked, yeah, I, I would say no-no to Mobo. All right, sir, step up to the microphone, and uh, what's your name, your city, and question? Uh, Jeff Stewart, Oatana, and uh, assess the defense for us. I mean, obviously, they've um, really, really improved under uh, Zimmer. Uh, do you see that continuing, or uh, are they going to hit a roadblock based on talent? I do see that continuing. I think... What you see happening here, and the thing that Vikings fans should be encouraged with the defense, is that you have a group of young players that have, in a lot of cases, not played for anybody else. Mike Zimmer now has had his chance to mold these guys and kind of get him indoctrinated in the way he wants to do things. So when you have that young core that is there and you can keep adding more things to what you do with them, we've seen a few new wrinkles so far in training camp, I I like where their defense is at. I, I think... If you get another safety to play next to Harrison Smith, that would help. We've, yep. we've had that conversation for three years. I like the defensive line. Maybe you'd like a little more depth there, but I love where Daniil Hunter is going. And I think there's a lot of things to like about Linville Joseph. Mike Zimmer was talking the other day that there's more to get out of him. Linebackers, you, may, you want to see a few more things from How Anthony about Kendricks, Barr. though? Kendricks, to me, looks far more comfortable yes, now than he he's did been a impressive. year ago. And, and I don't put a lot of stock in uh, training camp practice plays. 
But the interception he made at Bridgewater last Saturday where he dove and made the pick and got up, that was a heck of a play. Yeah, it certainly was. And I think Mike Zimmer said it the other day that the Kendricks last year looked like a guy that I think he put it as he looked like a guy that had too much coffee, basically. He was just kind of running around and and not really playing as slow as he could. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I think now he's more comfortable with what he's doing. He's at a point where he understands making the calls and the defense a little bit better. Yep. And uh, he, he just looks like a guy that is doing a lot of the things that they've drafted him to do. And when he can be a guy that's not thinking too much and he can just play fast and run, that's when you're really going to see him take the next step, I think. One T-shirt left here, folks. So if you have a question about the Vikings, get up here, ask the question, and you get a free T-shirt. Do you want to ask a question? All right. Jordan from Madison, South Dakota. What's the Anthony Barr approach? I've heard not practicing during the week, playing on Sundays. How is that going to affect the defense? Not practicing during the week, like during the season, you mean? Yeah. I mean, I mean it's early speculation now, but... I, I guess I, I would be surprised if they, they went into the season with that approach. Uh, I, I know I think there's certainly been injury issues, and I think that is, that's the big concern I have with Anthony Barr because it's been hard for him to stay healthy. But I think as much as he's able to be out there, he's going to be on the practice field. I, that's not going to be something that they would go into the season kind of planning for him not to do, at least not at this point in his career, because there's a lot of things they want to be able to do with him. There's a lot of things in that defense that they can do if he's fully healthy that I'm not sure we've seen all the way yet. I think there's more you can get out of him. So I, I think they want to try to unlock that. But, yes, injuries with Anthony Barr, to me, are the thing that, that you worry about preventing him from becoming – this sort of like transformational freak in the defense that they kind of felt like he could be. He is, to me, Ben Gessling, Anthony Barr, and this is because of the circumstances, is perhaps the most important player on that defense because he's the guy that allows Zimmer to run the defense like he wants, which is if Anthony Barr is healthy and going well, he can line up anywhere. And offenses, I don't think, can account for that on every down. So, so you can tweak things and move guys around, but to me, Barr is the X factor because yeah. you literally don't know where he might, lo- might line up. Yeah, I often refer to him as the knife edge of Mike Zimmer's defense. Yeah. He's the guy it's that good. you could put him in the double-A gap look, whether you blitz him or not, or drop him back into coverage. He's something you have to account for because of how big he is, and when he drops back into coverage, his range and his length helps change passing windows for quarterbacks as well. You can rush him off the edge. They, they played around with lining him up as a defensive end. I, I don't think they're going to go back to that, but there are a lot of things that they want to be able to do with him that, if he's fully healthy, I think can go to another level than from what we've seen the first two years. And now, Ben Gessling, it's time for the we dive into the football minutia, the X's and O's. We're, oh going, we're going to have you break it down. All right. Give me your assessment so far of the competitions. Now, to me, right tackle, expected to be a competition. Yep. Over. Right guard, expect to be a competition, over. Right. But we still have certainly the safety position opposite Harrison yep. Smith. Yep. Take me through the competitions that remain in your week one assessment of where they're at. I would say there aren't that many of them, really. I mean, the big one there I should think, have been. Well, there, there should have been, and I don't, it didn't work out that way with the offensive line with Phil Lodeholt retiring and, and Mike Harris. I'm not sure when we're going to see him. I, I don't expect that it's going to be soon. And this is a very odd deal. Yes. I mean, it's, um, and I'm not joking here. Mike Harris has a head ailment of some sort that was yep. diagnosed in June. Yep. So this is not he got to Mankato and didn't feel good. 
Uh, and it's a situation where the Vikings, for lack of a better term to me, have circled the wagons. Yeah. And nobody's saying, you know, if it's, if it's a hamstring or a foot or something, someone's going to tell you, hey. Yeah. It's very interesting to me and perhaps concerning that no one, including Mike Harris, is willing to talk about this. Well, here was the thing that I thought was interesting with that. We were talking to Mike Harris the other day after practice. I think Derek Wetmore, who's standing off to the side, stage left, waving to people who are listening on the radio. Uh, Derek was there with us, and we're, we're talking to Mike Harris about this, and within like one or two questions, we had three or four members of the PR staff surrounding the interview, and, and Mike Harris is saying, you know, like, I'd like to thank the trainers, people that have been taking care of me, my teammates have been supportive. The way that all played out didn't feel like it was, oh, he's had a concussion or something. Like, right. it, it felt more serious than that, and I, I don't know exactly what it is, and I don't want to presuppose that I know what it is, but the way that they did that made you wonder, okay, something's going on here. So your assessment then, we've got what? The safety position? Safety and, and where center, else do you? I think, okay, are the center. two. I mean, right. center is the one that they're sort of still saying officially that it's a competition. And Mike Zimmer said again this morning that he wants to have a depth chart set after the off, next off day on Sunday. They are still rotating John Sullivan and Joe Berger. If John Sullivan's healthy, I think he's the guy there. But I've been more impressed with Joe Berger so far. Just in the, in the matchups with Linval Joseph, Berger's probably going to hold up better to a guy of that caliber and a guy of that much strength. And that one is, I think, the one that is still really going on in the offense. I, I agree with you that right tackle is probably Andre Smith's to lose. I think right now, Charles Johnson's probably your starting split end. Stephon yep. Diggs is the flanker. And on defense, yeah, the, the safety position is an issue that you're still going through. Weak side linebacker, I'll be curious to see how they play that in the exhibition games because I, I wonder if Emmanuel Lamore ends up starting and they sort of find a, a role in a package or two for But Chad that's Greenway. not a bad thing, right? No, it's I not. Think, I mean, it's, it's certainly not a referendum or a judgment on Greenway right. if this far into his career he doesn't start. And keep in mind, too, in Greenway's defense, he played a lot last year, way more than he probably yeah. should have. He did well. I don't. I don't Played think the linebacker the one week. Short of Greenway being cut, which he won't be, or not playing at all, which won't happen. I don't think there's a bad way for him to go out here. So if his playing time is curtailed quite a bit, to me that's not that's not a oh wow that's really sad. Yeah, I mean he even if he's not playing as much, he's still got sort of this elder statesman, mentor to the younger linebackers, conscience of the team kind of role. That <laughs> well put. There's still some value in that, and Mike Zimmer has said that you, you have a lot of guys in that defense that take their cue from Chad Greenway. The way he prepares, the way he conducts himself, that is valuable to a young team. And that's all, as much as what he can do on the field, that's part of the reason he brought him back. If uh, John Sullivan does not win the starting job at center, will John Sullivan be on the roster at that salary? I, boy, that's tough. Because they've got a couple of young other Rip young the bandit off, Gessling. Answer the question. I say yes. Rip it right off. I, I would say yes, and here's why. Joe Berger is 34, 35 years old. So certainly not a spring chicken. A guy that you're going to say, you know, he's A, immune to injuries, and B, going to be your center for the next few years. And Joe's a career backup, too. Yes. I mean, he's been around these with this organization yeah. for quite a while. Yeah. So I still think Sullivan is on the roster because you're not sitting there with a guy that you expect is going to be your guy for the next two, three years. Sure. So, yes, I think he still is on the team, and I think – some of those other young centers they have maybe end up on the practice squad. Let's wrap up this edition, Ben Gessling, of the Purple Podcast with this. Reminiscing about a guy who's going into the Hall of Fame, Ooh, the Pro boy. Football Hall of Fame, the gunslinger, 
Brett Favre. This, to me, needs to be appreciated because Brett Favre is the cliche, a throwback. But when you consider, when you consider that how long he was despised by Vikings fans, absolutely hated, Vikings fans couldn't stand the guy, and then in recent memory came in and gave this fan base an unbelievable ride, which yep. ended sadly yep. with Tracy Porter picking off the ball. But the story of Favre's career, if you, if you were just to ask who, who are some of the most interesting athletes in our lifetime that we've covered of sports that we love, Brett Favre is up there, man. When you can go from vilified here because of what he did to the Vikings to right. he was a Viking, got even with the Packers in 2009, and oh, by the way, had an MVP-type season in 2009 in which he threw about seven interceptions. Yeah. Well, he, statistically, it was the best season of his career when he was here that first season. I mean, he is a guy that all of the, all of the jokes about the media's fascination with him aside, there is a reason for that fascination because... He did it like nobody else has done it. He let you in on the good parts, the bad part. I mean, his press conferences were basically like a, a, a soliloquy every week. They were fantastic. He sort of just he let you in on what was going on in his life or at least made you feel like he was letting you in on what was going on. I think for the most part he was. I'll be, I'll be curious to hear his, his radio show now to see how that goes. He can do an hour. No and commercial breaks. Hit. Well, that's, that's going to be There will be no issue. commercial breaks for Brett's radio show. You can't have hard show. stops in that show when he's in the middle of a story, but... He, he is one of a kind. I mean, there's there, the warts, we all know about him on the field, off the field. Sure. But part of it with him that made him so endearing and such a character is that you saw all of that stuff. It wasn't this manicured Tom Brady image where you only see what he wants you to see. He kind of just let it all out there. And this was in an era before social media really allowed you to do that in the same way that some guys can do it today. He was He was authentic. And I think that's a great lesson in terms of we you know we talk so much about all these athletes that that like to kind of manicure their image and, and we all have, have all the PR handlers and everything else but that authenticity more than this kind of squeaky clean scrubbed image it was, was what made people love him the warts made him perfect yes the warts are what made that guy i once asked uh, when when i was covering the packers for the star tribune in 2003 and 4 i once asked a reporter in green bay i said when did all this retirement start talk start because he was when I covered him, he was 33 and 34. Yeah. So old for a football player, but not that old. And I said to somebody, I said, when did this all start? Why is a 33-year-old always up at a podium talking about, I might not play, blah, blah, blah. And he said, it started in 99 when he broke his thumb in Madison in a yeah. preseason game for the Packers. And, it, and he went through it, and he was injured, and he was miserable, and he threw it out there. And from then until the day he walked away, finally, Eight years always, later. he was always... And But I honestly think, in retrospect, it's because he wanted to be loved. Yes. And he knew that if he hung the threat of retirement over Packers fans, that they would say, no, 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 you can't. And that's why when they drafted Rodgers, when yeah. Ted Thompson yeah. took over and drafted, drafted Aaron, which, by the way, Aaron Rodgers was either going to be the first pick or the 25th pick. Right. So that was an obvious pick. But Brett could never accept it because that was the first time, and Ted was new at the time at Green Bay, that Brett didn't feel loved. Right. And, and that's why I contend by 2009 or 2008, when he tried to force his way to the Vikings, what he wanted was to show them 
because he felt like the Packers had betrayed him. Despite yeah. the fact that the succession plan was absolutely perfect and made perfect sense, in his mind it was always, aren't you going to tell me that you love me? And when it didn't happen, but that's what made him so interesting were flaws like that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, he let you sort of see... I mean, a lot of athletes, I think, think that way. A lot of athletes are either... and the Athletes, a lot of times, are this fascinating mix of incredibly high self-confidence and this sort of paralyzing self-doubt and, and worry about, are they going to get rid of me tomorrow? Especially in the NFL, where nothing is really guaranteed. That was the fascinating part of that whole thing, is that, like a lot of things with Brett Favre, that played out in front of our eyes. We saw him go on that series of interviews with Gre- Greta Van Susteren yes. and, and go through all of that stuff about playing for the Minneapolis Vikings, I think as she put it. I mean, it, it was a bad interview, but he sort of told you everything that was going on in his mind, and that was what made it you know, probably for some people suffocating and for some people really interesting. And, and I think the fact that he didn't feel like they needed him as badly anymore, that they were prepared him. to move on without him. Yeah, it certainly hurt It hurt him. his feelings. And I think, I mean, in the end, from a football perspective, it made perfect sense, especially by the time that they did it. He, his last game in Green Bay, obviously, was that really cold NFC title game when yep. it looked like he couldn't play in cold weather anymore. From a football perspective, in a, in a purely non-emotional sense, it, it was probably the right thing to do, but nothing with Brett Favre was ever devoid of emotion. Brett Favre, or drama. everything about him yes. had emotion attached to it. You're right. You're right. All right, sir. Thank you very much, folks, for sticking around here at Weggies and attending the first ever live Purple Podcast. We appreciate it. He's Ben Gessling. I'm Judd Zolga. I'll be back soon for another Purple Podcast. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.